Sophie Hagen, and you're listening to the Made of Human podcast. It's my podcast. You can call it Mopod, M-O-H-P-O-D, if you want to Google that. Uh, it's a podcast in which I speak to very lovely people about life and how to do life and how to be a proper human being. Turns out most people, they know fuck all about it. No one has any idea what they're doing, but that's also quite comforting. And that's another thing that we do with this podcast. We feel less alone, I guess. Uh, this week I am speaking to Apanen and Sherla, and I will let you listen to a very interesting chat in just a tiny bit. Now, I'm a stand-up comedian, meaning that I am about to um, do a show. I'm, I have a new show called Dead Baby Frog. If you want to come and see it, that would mean a lot to me, because I love meeting you at the, the gigs. Uh, it's the best. Um, I, there's a trigger warning uh, for the show, and that's it's it's about emotional abuse. It's about my my grandfather, who was uh, who's who's a horrible human being, and I talk about how he was a horrible human being. So, uh, yeah, so <laughs> you need to know that I'm going to be touring the show this autumn. I will start. Uh, I'm, I'm now going. I'm just going to butcher all the names of uh, this country. <laughs> I will be touring in. Peterborough, Winchester, Liverpool, Fareham, Coventry, Swindon, Leeds, Glasgow, Aberdeen, Norwich, Kendall, Milton Keynes, Bath, Aldershot, Maidenhead, Newcastle, Newport, Leicester, Manchester, Oxford, Bristol, Hull, Bromsgrove, Stockton, Cambridge, Colchester, New Milton, Reading, Whiteshaven, Aberystwyth, Northampton, and Canterbury. Canterbury? Canterbury. Canterbury. Sounds like a, a cheese. Also, I'll, I'll be in uh, Denmark. I will be in Copenhagen, Aalborg, Aarhus, Espia, and Odense. And I'm taking the show to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, which is this August. And I will be at the Bethlehem Theatre at 2 p.m. every single day of the Fringe. It's not a free Fringe show, so uh, you have to buy tickets in advance this time. Um, on the, the plus side, it's not going to be in a nightclub. It's in a proper venue, uh, like a theatre even. Um, I'm going to be doing small shows in London as well. And for tickets to all of these things, you can go to sophiehagen.com. And while you're there, sign up for my newsletter. So you get all the um, the sweet, sweet gossip and the secrets and my oversharing of <laughs> feelings and uh, things that have happened. And you, oh, also you can find out, you know, where I'm gigging and stuff like that. So. Before I let you listen to the episode with Apana, we shall do one of my favorite things. It's this week's Acts of Disobedience. You write me about something you've done where you've been disobedient and you've tried to take take down the, the system, <laughs> take down the man. And this week's listener is anonymous, but this is what they wrote. I was walking home from work on the phone to my partner. I could see two men catcalling a woman in front of me and I thought, here we go. The lady continued to walk away, and as I passed, they moved on to calling out at me. Without thinking, I said really loud on the phone to my partner, Sorry, I didn't catch what you said, because two cunts were just catcalling me. The men didn't know what to do next. The shock on their faces made it totally worth it, as I continued to walk away. I don't know what came over me, as I would never normally say that, but it sure made me feel good to fight back and, and to leave them not knowing what to say next. That's really lovely. I 100% approve of the C word. Uh, it's my favorite word. I know it's problematic, but uh, just please, can I keep, please keep doing it? Uh, please submit your act of disobedience on madeofhumanpodcast.com. 
where you can also buy a t-shirt. So that's all the rambling for this time. Please enjoy this episode with the incredible Apana Nanchala. So how are you finding... uh, Well, first of all, for people who might not know you, just like a quick who you are... Yeah, um, so I'm a partner in Charla. I'm a comedian based in New York. And uh, let's see, I was most recently, I guess I did a Comedy Central half hour last year. And I recorded my first album called Just Putting It Out There. And then more recently, I've done a couple of TV spots on like uh, Master of None and Crashing. Oh, nice. It's going well. I mean, I feel like the past year has been very good to me, which is weird in a way because everything else in America is terrible right now. So it's kind of hard to fully enjoy it while everything else is happening. Yeah. Yeah. How is? Because when we're recording this, it's on the day of the election. I don't know when this will come out. So by then, maybe the world will have ended. But how how did you deal like the day after? Because I like just being like a European, being a European here, the Trump thing was hard, but it must have been so many levels harder being in the States, being part of it when that happened. Yeah, it was pretty surreal like as i recall just walking around new york the day after every like it just felt like the entire city had been broken up with like the last day it was just that like everyone was sad like you look on the train and everyone just looked defeated it was like crazy like i i've never experienced that much of a blanket emotion on like an entire city but i imagine it was probably like that like after 9 11 and stuff yeah but um yeah, it, it was very, like, you felt a little bit outside your body. Yeah. Yeah. Had you seen it coming? Were you prepared? No, not at all. I was blindsided as much as everyone else. And I think in some ways it was denial of just, you know, like not wanting to be like there are that many people who feel differently. But um, but at the same time, I also just, I think, really didn't expect it too. Mm. Yeah, oh, isn't that, <laughs> it's, it's just like a sad time, isn't it? I know. Like in general, it's just a strange time, and yeah, and now like with all the you know like Russia investigation and like every day there's like a new thing, so I think people are sort of holding on to whatever hope there is. Yeah, but it is it does make like every day a little bit like you're like wow i'm like following the news like it's like a tv show or something yeah yeah yeah, yeah absolutely Do you, are you like a hopeful person are you an optimist yeah i mean i just feel like in like specifically in this case it really does feel a little bit absurd of like all the stuff that's come out and the fact that it still hasn't like damned trump in any way like it almost feels like overdue that something should happen so i think i I still am like, no, he's he's not going to make it through his term. Yeah. Is that a general thing you have in your life where you am hopeful? To, yeah. I don't know. I think I think um, medication has helped me a lot because uh, I feel I like re- recently changed my meds maybe in the past year or so because I was going through sort of a rough time before that and it I had been on sort of the same medication for many years since I was diagnosed with depression and it had been working and everything was fine and I would go through rough patches but then I would come out of it but this felt like a different level of of sort of struggling and then 
I started another medication and gradually like came out of it and now feel like in a much more stable place. But I think it is, it is weird when you're like, how much of this is me and how much of this is like the drugs? How, so when you say rough time, was that in your head or was it like life stuff? I think it was more in my head. Like there were, there were challenges happening in my life that exacerbated things, but I think already my mindset was like, not at its best yeah, yeah. I, I find it's the scariest thing is when everything's going really well right and then it comes and yes you're like no no no, no. Yeah, yeah yeah you're like wait wait wait, wait, wait. you're not paying attention it's, to what's going so well <laughs> yeah, yeah we just yeah. got new shoes we just moved into a nice place and i know why are we crying oh now oh my gosh i know and especially with like when you're in an industry that's so erratic it's like if you can't enjoy the good things it's like what is even the point. Yeah, because there's yeah. so much. Yeah, know, like, there's so much like bad stuff that it's like, yeah, because I did, I, I feel like I did have some good things happen during that time and I was just like, oh, this is just passing you by. This is terrible. <laughs> was there ever a decision to, to like, are you, do you also speak to a psychologist or a therapist or mm -hmm. do you just, oh, okay. Yeah, I've been, I've been seeing a therapist um, pretty much, Since I was in college, um, maybe with a few gaps of like when I moved somewhere new or something, I might didn't see someone right away. But for the most part, I have been in therapy for a long time. The same one or do you change? No, it's been sort of like I'll find one in that city just because I think it's harder to do it like over the phone and stuff. Oh, yeah. but, I, but I think some people make it work. But um, I've also just, I think, been sort of tried some different kinds of therapy from when I started. Like at first it was just sort of more psychoanalytical and then now I've sort of gravitated more towards like cognitive behavioral just because yeah. it feels more practical. Like they give you sort of concrete things you can do to like address the thoughts in your mind which feels more helpful in the moment than yeah. than just being like, well, this happened when I was a kid, so. Yeah, it's yeah. a bit more like a We've we've talked about this now. Let's go. Wait, 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 wait. Let's move on. Because I'm in the process now of trying to find a therapist. Yeah, oh, I don't know what the psychotherapist, psychologist. One, yeah, I don't know the exact. Yeah, me neither. But one of them. Yeah, and I had one. I saw her three times, and uh, on the last day, I saw her. I mean, I'm pretty sure she was drunk. What? I'm pretty sure. Like she really? was, she was kind of like closing her eyes a lot, and she no. was when she was talking, she was going so so, and I was like, oh no. <laughs> That is horrible. And I discovered a tiny doll on her, oh my God. like a racist doll. Like, What? Yeah, like, like a completely a black little doll with like red lips. And <gasps> I was just sitting there going, I think she's drunk. And then I looked to the to the left and I was like, oh, no. Oh, my gosh. And then so I still had cinematic. To I know. And then I still had to finish the lesson being like, because uh, I couldn't really just leave. No, I know. I mean, I think some people would, but I think. Oh, I, I, don't think have so, I don't have it in me. I would just sit, like, even if she fell asleep, I'd probably... <laughs> Finished the session. The end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then I had to email. So now I'm trying. I, I met uh, I met a new one a few days ago, and she seems so far. She seems really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's so tricky. It, it really is like a. I mean, dating in that you have to have the right fit. Yeah. And it's like they're going to be listening to you talk a lot, so you have to be like comfortable just having them sit in front of you. Yeah. Which I've noticed is more challenging for me than. I thought, but which is so weird because I do stand up, but I think I'm like, can we just turn all the lights off and <laughs> I'll just look above your head? <laughs> but so, but you 
so you have like this, uh, like, so you just see a new one in every city. Yeah, but uh, but I mean, I haven't like... moved that many times, so it'll be like oh, okay. a couple so years. So it's not like every time you visit. No, 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 no. no. Okay. Like I, I, I still have the same one in New York, pretty much since I've. I've lived there for like five years, so maybe like I've had her for four years. Okay. Yeah. She's yeah. cool. She's good. Yeah, she's great. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. So have you always, was there a time when the depression started or have you just always kind of had it? I think, I mean, I've had it since I was in, I think I was first diagnosed in college. I think I had like, you know, mildly depressive tendencies as a kid. Like I would have just like periods of melancholy, but I think I just thought, It was something everyone had. Like, yeah, because uh, yeah, you don't have a frame of reference when you're a kid for what's normal and what isn't. Um, and my parents were, you know, they were they were like South Asian immigrants. So I think they were very focused on sort of work and like their schedules. They're both doctors. So there wasn't like a lot of time for people opening up mm -hmm. emotionally and like sharing how you're feeling. So I think a lot of that sort of just got pushed to the wayside. Uh When I was a kid, yeah, so yeah. you kind of suppressed the yeah, yeah, yeah. sadness a, a bit, and, then, and then it explodes. Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at some unknown future time. Was there a trigger? It was in in college, actually. I think after my first year, I I think I like a lot of people went to, uh, like I graduated high school and then I went to college with the idea that it would sort of like answer all these questions for me. Uh. And then after the first year, I was like, oh, that didn't solve anything. And then I think that's when it really hit me kind of hard because I was like, what is, th like, what is anything? Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So what, how did that have to do with you starting comedy? Was that somewhat related? Was it a thing of, because I feel like sometimes comedy is a tiny bit of a fake expression of feelings. Because like the first time you totally. do a thing, it's real. But then, you, but then it's you a, say, yeah, it's a little bit of a stage thing. Um Yeah, I think I think I would say we were very much related in that comedy was like a thing I first started exploring in high school, but I didn't really like take that first plunge of like trying stand up until after. So like when I was diagnosed with depression, I actually took a semester off of school because it kind of came out through an eating disorder. Oh, yeah, which was sort of just a mask for the depression. And once we like named the depression, the eating disorder habits kind of fell away. Can I ask which one? What? Which eating disorder? Oh, just restricting foods, so like oh. anorexic tendencies. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So then I think after I first went on medication and stuff, I think it's that first high you get when you're, you've never been on medication. It's almost like putting on glasses for the first time where you're like, everything's so much better than it was before. <laughs> so I think I was just in this sort of euphoric period and, was like, let me just try everything. And I, I think that's what actually got me to try stand-up, just being in that, like, whatever period. And then I liked it, but I was too scared to, like, keep doing it right away. So I waited until I, like, graduated from school and then moved back home with my parents. And then I was kind of like, okay, if you want to try it, you really have to go do it. So, and then that's sort of how it all started. Wow. Yeah. Do you have any... You said that like, the cognitive therapy mm -hmm. had like some proper, more like solution. It felt right, 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 right. Do, right. Do you have? Did you? Do you have any like? Um, I guess like tricks or things that like a tool that you use a lot, like a little mind thing or. Yeah, like lately, my um, my therapist suggested this thing of like if I suddenly feel like a certain mood descend or or like a 
suddenly feel anxious or like sad, uh, I have to like I have to like sort of state it to myself as like the story I'm telling myself is, and then fill in what it is because oh. I feel like a lot of our emotions are triggered by like thoughts and we don't always link the two because they don't always feel directly connected but usually it's like if you voice what the thought is then you can actually evaluate whether it's a rational thought or not so then it's a lot of times when you name what the story is you're like oh wait but that's actually very exaggerated or that's like like it's like let's say like a comedian gets like an opportunity that you're like oh wow that's incredible um but then you're like the story i'm telling myself is like I'll never get that. I'll never succeed. But then it's like, oh, but would I actually want that job? No, probably not. So then it's like, oh, so why am I panicking for no yeah. reason? Yeah. That's a really good trick. It w- I found it really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. So I was trying, I'm trying the one with um, taking it outside of your body, like imagining mm-hmm. it oh, in like yeah. a bowl. Mm-hmm. Like I went to a very anxious dinner party recently and I knew there was going to be all these irrational thoughts happening. Right, right. So just try every time I had a thought, I tried to like put it outside of my body. Right. And, go, and I was here on the table amongst the potatoes. <laughs> yeah. It's not a real thing. Now I'm back again being chill. Right, chill. right, right. And just remember to bring the ball with you home and then right, analyze right. it back. <laughs> right, right, right. Like it doesn't have to live in your head and yeah. consume everything. Yeah. Do you see... Um, so it's become part of your life, I guess, if depression has always been... Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I feel like it it definitely frames everything for me in a certain way of like, I think like what you were saying where it's like you don't know when it will descend. Mm. You always have that sort of feeling of waiting for the shoe to drop and it's really hard to like fully relax. But I I like, I'm working on it. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah, that's the only thing. Yeah. (laughs) That's the only thing we can do. But that's, in my experience, I don't know if that's, maybe that's different in America, Mm -hmm. but... I think it might be. Well, maybe I should ask you before I just make my own thoughts about no, this. No, but, no, no. Uh, in terms of getting help for those things. Yeah. Uh, I think, is that is it more like a thing you talk about in America? Like if you have mental health, you see a therapist. I'm basing this on, I think I've only had you and Chris Gethard on mm-hmm. as American. And you both talked about therapy right, and right, stuff. Right, 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 So in my head, 100% of all Americans I've had in this podcast yeah, therapists. So is it like a nice, can you just kind of talk about it? Is it like a, a thing you can be open about? I I think to some extent in, in certain communities you can, but I feel like it. a lot of that is like class and race-based. Like I feel mm-hmm. like, you know, it's like upper middle class or like people with more money can sort of go to therapy because it's not like something they have to be like, can I afford this? Do I really need this? They're like, I'll just go. But then it's like if you're, you know, if you're struggling financially or like in a lot of immigrant communities, there's just not as much like acceptance of like, oh, like you're sad, you need to go talk about it. It's more like you need to suck it up and like get back to work or whatever it is. So I think there's, some places it's it's like open fodder, but then it's still there's still a lot of progress to be made. I think, and and like I think depression and anxiety get a little bit more understanding than sometimes more severe mental disorder, like bipolar or like schizophrenia. Like I feel like they're still a lot more stig- stigmatized. Yeah, yeah. You can, yeah. Depression and anxiety, I guess, has become these. Like people throw them around. Totally. Oh, I'm having I'm anxious today. Yeah, know. yeah. 
It's not really right, you know, right, right. Oh, I'm depressed today. No, no. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you're out of bed. You're not depressed. I know. I'm like you're here. So, <laughs> was there any? Did you feel the stigma when you started seeking help? Was there any? I think just within my family, it felt a little bit like, oh, is this like, am I like, you know, disappointing my parents or am I like creating all this stress for them? But then it's like when I started going to therapy, I feel like my mom opened up about how she like struggles with that stuff. And I think she kept it from my sister and I just to like protect us. But then it's like you can't really protect your way out of genetics, you know. So I think in the end it was like good that she opened up about it. Yeah, of course. So you have anxiety as well? Mm -hmm. I think I would say it's like a weird combo, but like... I would say I'm anxious more often, but then there's also just like a foundation of melancholy. Foundation of melancholy and anxiety. <laughs> yeah. What fun. Yeah, so fun. Oh, so what were you like as a teenager, apart from the, the whole depression thing? It's just, what, did it take over everything or did you have, like, did you get to do all this well, stupid things you do as a teenager. Yeah, I I mean, I was a pretty sheltered kid. Like, I think I went to a school that was sort of very academically rigorous. So it, it was a lot of just, like, um, being very studious and, like, sort of doing enough, like, extracurricular activities to, like, get into a good university. So I think everything was so work-driven that, it, that like, my emotional state or whatever, all of that would come second. Um, and, I, and I think I was also very shy in a lot of ways and a little bit of a late bloomer. So I think I was, you know, like I didn't date in high school and like all that stuff was sort of more in my head. Whereas like my peers would be like out doing all those things. Oh, yeah. yeah. Same. Yeah. When, when did you? So when you started dating and all of mm-hmm. those things, did that did that come in as an explosion? Because from personal experience, that yeah. happened with me. I did everything within the first week. Right, right. Just like, don't worry, guys, I'm going to catch up with you. <laughs> Just like very matter of fact, like checking <laughs> yeah. these things off. Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. I I would say similar. Like I, I feel like I maybe I was a senior or junior in, in in school and um What it, age is that? Like twenty like twenty one twenty, right. twenty one, twenty two maybe even. And uh yeah, I was kinda like, Okay, you gotta get these things done. Like you can't go out into the world without <laughs> having ever kissed someone or like had a beer or whatever it was like I was just like gotta do them all now what was your first kiss like um I don't think it was good I think it was like some I think it was a date off of like this um like friendster do you remember friendster oh it rings a it, it was like the bell. pre pre MySpace pre Facebook. It was like the first like social media attempt, and I think I just like messaged, just started messaging guys from like in the area of my school, and was just like, "Do you want to get you know, like Do you want to go <laughs> out? Kiss? Yeah, kiss? yeah. I have a list of things. To I know <laughs> I need to take care of some stuff, and so I think it was just like a like a drunken sort of sloppy make-out session. I know. Yeah, I think that's like, what it's meant to be. I, think, yeah. I don't think a lot of people have that romantic on a flying carpet kind like, of... Just get it out of the way. <laughs> What's dating life for you now? Are you in a relationship? Are you... Yeah, I um, I actually met someone uh, about a year ago, and I met them online, actually. Oh, which really? I, Yeah, which is strange, because I haven't... Generally had not had any luck with online dating, but 
Yeah, uh, we've been dating for yeah a little bit under a year, and he's not in comedy. He actually works in book publishing, which is oh wow, which is really nice just to not date a comedian. For yeah. A month. <laughs> yeah. How do you go about being a comedian and then online dating? Because that like that's... it's hard. Because I feel like when especially in New York, like even though it's a big city, I feel like the same faces keep popping up, oh, really? and you're like, oh, that's. A comedian I know, and it's really weird that he's coming up on my Tinder or something. Yeah. So I think it starts to feel very small, but, you know, I think there's an, it's still a big enough city that you can sort of like avoid. Yeah. What do you, what do you put? Do you, do you start off by going, so I'm a comedian, which means, I mean, this is complicated, but that's a, that is what I do. And also, right. depression, anxiety. But I am a lot of fun. <laughs> I don't think I later? put depression and anxiety in my profile. But I think I put like, I think I just put that I do like comedy related things. Like I think I didn't, I was like, if they ask, I'll tell them. But I don't, I don't need to tell them like, mm. I'm a stand up. I'm a, because I feel like it's just so easy to Google people now. Yeah. It's like, I don't want to give you too much information. Because yeah. also if you just Google my first name and comedy, like a lot of stuff comes up. Yeah. Yeah. So, so did he, what, what, the guy you're dating, did he see your stuff before you met? Did he? No, I think he like actually. comedy? Is he a comedy he, fan? Yeah, like he likes comedy. He hadn't heard of me before, which I actually liked. Because yeah. I think it's weirder when people know yeah. It's are. a no good. Like if anyone, if I ever go on any kind of Tinder or something and they yeah. say, Oh yeah, I've just seen you. I've just, I looked right. you up. I'm like, no, I'm sorry, it's not. Gonna I know this. It's too weird. Yeah. You you know too much, <laughs> yeah. or even just that they already have like a preset notion of who you mm. are or something. Mm. But yeah. I'm like, would that apply if you were like an author? And I was like, no, it's just that stand up is such a particular yeah. type of performance where you're sort of being yourself. Yeah, and I think you have to understand co- like what comedy is like I dated a right. comedy fan and I, I, it was just oh no <laughs> you could just uh, I know like it just you kind of had to break the the the, the this illusion yes. that a lot of comedy fans have about how it's so much fun right <laughs> oh go, right oh no that's a, it's a lot of work and it's, it's you know a it's a lot of work he really wanted to come to work with me and i was like i am at work though so right it's right a weird feeling to you'll be coming to my show like i don't know it just yeah felt, no i know what you mean one. it's like I, it took me a long time to even invite my current boyfriend to a show because you're right it feels like work and he's like i just want to come support you and i'm like i know but it's like if you came to my office and you're to just support like, me <laughs> answering emails, yeah, that would yeah. be like I'm fine. Yeah, <laughs> it's not that exciting, but I guess it is. The at least the first few times, I'm sure he'll eventually not be that excited to yeah, go yeah, anymore. Yeah. So how so so dating, doing the like having the life you have, because I imagine there's a lot of traveling a lot of working you seem to be very busy yeah I mean I think our number one enemy has been our schedules because I'm I've rarely been home this year and I think that's been somewhat taxing on even just I think it's the first relationship I've had where I've been gone so much so I don't even know exactly what speed we're supposed to be moving at um but I feel like we've just had to be almost overly communicative about like like where we're at and like how often we should check in just because a lot of that stuff you learn um intuitively through like 
going on dates and stuff, but if you're not in the same place, you sort of have to just verbalize it. Mm. So I think that's been an interesting challenge. Yeah. Yeah. Are you a good traveler? Because you must be traveling a lot. I don't think I am. Like, I feel like my main conclusion from this year has been like, I don't think I'm built for like this much travel. Like, I think it takes it out of me more than I want to admit. Yeah. Where it's almost like when I get to a place, I sort of need some mental space to like adapt. And if, if I have to like perform right away, sometimes it just feels like the work suffers and then, and then like pick up and leave the next morning. It's sort of like a vicious cycle. Yeah. Yeah. How was Kilkenny? Because we were just in Ireland at the same time. Uh, to, I didn't see you until the when we were until the, the end. Airport. I know. <laughs> I Which know. I felt really weird about, by the way, because I didn't no, say I anything to no, you. No, I was so I was almost like I was like, oh, that's so nice that she doesn't expect us to have a conversation because I I like can't think of anything to say right now. <laughs> but that's what I th- I thought. Like once we got because we it was like a, an hour and a half car journey right, to it's the a airport. Long one, yeah, and I had all these. I was like, no. I mean, if it was me, I would have been like, oh fuck's sake, I want to be alone right now. <laughs> so I was like, I'll just. No, I'll, I'll just not say anything. But then also, I don't want her to think that I'm being, like, I don't want no, to. T- no, 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 no. But I think, like, I was like, I think we might be on the same page. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, totally. We were totally on the same page. Yeah, good, um, good, good. And I think also, I, when you were getting into the ride, you had said, like, oh, I thought, I thought it was just going to be me. And then I was like, oh, I also thought it was just going to be me. <laughs> so if we both thought that, then I think it's fine if we don't. Yeah. Yeah. We don't chat the whole time. But in my head, I was like, oh, she's so far away from home. And maybe she oh, just no, wants no. a friend. <laughs> I think I was just like zoning out completely. Yeah, at eight in the morning, you kind of want to be yeah. not talking. Oh, well, I'm happy that we're on the same page yeah. with that. Totally. Uh, so, you, so how was Kilkenny? How were the shows in Ireland? It was good. I mean, I feel like whenever I per- have performed outside of uh, the States, it is a little bit of a learning curve with like figuring out what works and what doesn't. But then... I think you forget that it's like, well, it's still like every crowd is going to be different like anywhere else. And some of them are going to get some things and some of them aren't. And uh, I think just being in a new place just, you know, makes you a little bit more paranoid about what's working and what isn't. But I mean, it's a lovely city and like everyone's so nice. Like it it was very pleasant, I would say. I, I think like the day I got in, I had to perform like, pretty much a couple hours after I got mm. there. So I think I was just so jet lagged and like confused because I had taken a red eye from San Francisco. So like an overnight flight and I gained eight hours. So I think I, my oh, body wow. just didn't know what was happening. Oh, God. Yeah, that's not yeah. Good. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, maybe don't do this to yourself in the future. <laughs> How do you usually deal with Do you suffer from stress? Is stress a thing in your life? Uh, yeah, I think stress to me goes hand in hand with anxiety and that like when I get anxious, like I think my stress level just automatically gets kind of irrational where I'm like, even if it's like man- manageable things like answering a few emails or something, it just feels like so overwhelming. Yeah. yeah. Do you have any, what, how do you cope with that? A lot of it now is like, I mean, I feel like I've gone in a more like very mind-body connection sort of place where I've been trying meditation just to clear my head. And what kind of meditation? How do you do it? Mm, I don't really, I don't really follow like a technique other than just like paying attention to my breath and uh, 
And like I've done a few guided ones where you sort of just go through your body and like are aware of the different parts and sort of like breathe into every part. So I think a lot of it is just like mindfulness and relaxation sort of thing. Just to get you out of your own brain. This is working? Yeah. I mean, I found that, you know, it's like some days are harder than others. Like some days you sit down and it's like all these thoughts just brush in and it's kind of frustrating. But but I feel like if you, it's kind of a cumulative thing where it's like over time you like just, I've noticed like when I immediately get stressed, like I can, if even if I just like take a deep breath, it'll like dissipate a lot faster than than before and exercise I've also found helps me I really think it's just like doing stuff with my body and not living so much in my head is a key for me yeah Yeah. that makes sense what kind of exercise do you do you find help because I for me it needs to be like really hard right I I can't just like lift a thing it has to be something where I'm like my body thinks I'm right you don't have time to like think about anything yeah Yeah. I yeah I mean I've been going to the gym and just doing like the machines and stuff which I don't love but um yeah I mean I like to run but I think sometimes it's tough in in the city to know where to go exactly I can't I don't understand people who can do that when you see people running in central London I'm like how is that you must be so frustrating I know because you keep getting stopped by people yeah and also just like yeah I mean, if there was a park or something, but then you're like, oh, but all those true crime documentaries, <laughs> you're like, I can't. Where am I going to go? Are you, into, uh, are you into true crime? I mean, not any more than I would say the average person. Like, I don't I don't have a huge repository of all the all the crimes, but um, I do feel like I, I will, you know, just turn on like a law and order SVU just to unwind and then i'm like this isn't what you should unwind with at all <laughs> it's um but i i it's become a big thing now i know like, it's really exploding and i feel like especially from america there's all these podcasts and stuff yeah about you know serial killers and murder which is and stuff. really bizarre in a way like it's you're like okay well it's just like a cultural trend but then you're like these are like terrible things that happen. Yeah. Like, why are we so consumed with it? Maybe just because the world is like a horrible place. So it's like, at least if you learn about horrible things, it feels like more contained or like controlled or something. I don't know. It's mostly women who, uh, I know. who are into it, which I find really interesting. It must, it totally. must be a, a self-preservation thing. I think so. A, yeah, like a... Because I also think women are mainly the victims, too. I don't, yeah, I don't, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's not necessarily an opinion as much as... Yeah, yeah, it's just true. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Do you... So, in your set, do you... Are you political when you talk? Like, do you find yourself being a bit of a... I have been more since the election, I think. I Because just because it's so all-consuming, I think it's been really hard to sort of just not talk about it at all. It feels mm. a little bit like tone deaf but I know different people you know some people have been talking about it others haven't at first I was kind of like why aren't these people talking about it but then I realized it's like not everyone's ready to talk about it a lot of people are processing it in different ways so it's really whatever works for you I think but for me I've been trying to at least voice just like the feelings it's creating and like what I feel like I can do if anything just I think the sort of the same sense of uh you know like 
defeatedness that a lot of other people are feeling. Mm. Yeah. Did you, did you say that you had a thing you could do? Is there anything well, just in do? terms of like, you know, like protesting or like yeah. calling your representatives or like all those things. Um, I've been sort of trying to write bits around my attempts to do those things. Do you think it's... it's the, so this is uh, a question I'm trying to formulate. So... Mm -hmm. If there's suddenly, I mean, we're not too far from it, but if there was like a some kind of war, or like suddenly there was a dictator, which right. I know it's not too far from, <laughs> I know. but like if we're in that like proper, you know, like, like we see in the movies where there's like a resistance uh, and they, oh, right. they go out, like a movement, and they go and they blow up buildings, and and then there's like the evil dictator with like an army and they right. kill people, and if that was a scenario in whichever country you were living in. Where would you be in that? Would you be one of the people oh fighting gosh. in the revolution? Or would you be more like, you know, one of those who are like, oh, no, no I'm fine. <laughs> I'll just I know. Here. I'm like, I don't know. I, I, I think you want to hope you would step up as a human. But I'm like, would I? I don't know. Like, I also just worry about like mental health wise. I'm just like, would I be too weak to like make it in that kind of environment? I always think of like there's an apocalypse. I'm like. Oh, well, you'll run out of medication and you'll be in the first wave to go. <laughs> you could raid like a pharmacy, couldn't you? I guess so. Someone, you someone start would, hoarding someone would medication. Do someone would do that. Someone would raid the pharmacy. That's true. And just start handing it out, <laughs> I think. You could, if you got like the right meds, you'd not think you could fight, like be one of the cool freedom fighters who would like. I would like to be. I mean, I feel like if things reach a certain point, maybe something just switches in your mind where it's more like a survival thing than, you know, like comfort or, or safety. But, but yeah, I wonder, I kind of wonder what it would take to get there. Cause like, like you were saying, it's like not that far from reality. So it's like, it could be like next week or something. Yeah. I just don't know. Yeah. And it's, and I, in that it's, there's a risk that'll happen like in the small now, you know, mm -hmm. that you might have to, You know, I've I've fortunately not been in the position where it's happened, but I've had friends who've had to stop racial abuse on like the bus. Oh who've wow! Had to say something, like, yeah. step in and say, "This stop this now, we get off the bus." Or oh wow! And that's like a tiny thing, but where that's when you really find out. Oh, am I am I the person who just sits here, right? And does nothing, or do I say something? Right. Yeah, I know. I feel like I would like just hearing that. I'm like, oh man, I probably wouldn't say anything just because mm. I'm so socially nervous already like I wouldn't say anything in any situation really but then but um but yeah I think hearing those stories the good thing is like I am more encouraged to act by hearing that other people acted mm. rather than just being like in the situation and freezing up like I think I would reference that thing of like well Other people have stood up in this situation. I can do it too. Yeah, yeah. I have a I have a new like a feature, I guess, on this podcast called uh, Acts of Disobedience, mm -hmm. where so listeners write in with when they've done like there was a a woman who was not it wasn't even a cat call it was a man who kept shouting fat bitch at her oh from gosh. his open car yeah yeah she had just bought a six pack of coke yeah she just opened them and threw them into the car oh my god I was like oh this is so good. <laughs> How did she even get them in the car? It was a convertible. Open the car. Oh. Yeah. And then the, the lights turned green and he had to drive away That just is screaming. so funny. Right. It makes, and it makes me, like, as I'm receiving these emails and people sending them in, and it only just started, so I'm just, 
Ah, oh, and it makes me so. Oh, that's so great. Yeah, and people hearing that they've said the same thing. This makes them want to do something. Right, and, right. Because sometimes I think we just have to have that little. Yeah. Push. Like if, if one person in the bus starts screaming, they stop doing that. I think I would join in. Oh, totally. I'd be terrified of being the first person. Yeah. But maybe that's what we need. I know, because it is that thing of like, especially in big cities. People are more likely to have a little bit of tunnel vision because there is just so much going on. You have to, you know, blur some of it out. So I think it is being that first person to be like, no, this is wrong, even for like a big place where there's a Mm. lot going on. And then I think once one person does it, then it's more likely that other people. but But you are taking that chance of being like, I'm identifying something as off in this situation. And is anyone going to agree with me oh that would be the worst and he's like stop doing it and it would just like echo no, through the bus and like both the the guy doing it and the person that's happening to would look at you and be like why are you shouting like, i know excruciating <laughs> we're just having a chat like, i know oh, no. i misidentified the situation we're practicing a scene oh no <laughs> have you done like like what are you most proud of in terms of you know acting like and doing something Honestly, like, my favorite things to do in comedy are just things with my, like, friends or, like, peers that I really think are incredible and I just enjoy working with them but also their company and also just their work. So I think, like, I did a web series with my friend uh, Joe Firestone, who's a very funny American comic, and um, we just, like, had such a good time making it that I was like, oh, this is, like, really the best parts of comedy that this is like considered work just like hanging out with someone you enjoy and then I also just filmed a part on like a friend's sitcom that's not out yet but it was it's like a workplace comedy and that was also like just getting to work with your friends all day it just feels like so such a gift or like you just feel like no why do I get to do this it's so cool yeah did you expect like when you started doing comedy did you have a idea about like because I remember when I started my like I couldn't even imagine like just the thought of one day maybe you know writing for a show right or maybe one oh, totally. day being inside of a television you yeah, know? yeah yeah and like it, but I'd never seen it go this far like I'd right, never you right. know, you, it's kind of hard to think outside of the five minutes the first five minutes oh totally doing. I think I mean that definitely was the case for me it was like so gradual like one foot in front of the other I wasn't even sure like when I could really call myself a comedian Mm. I think it was like two years in I was like maybe now I don't know but um yeah I think it is because it is a some people I think go in being very goal set where they know exactly what they want and I feel like it was the total opposite where where like people would be like what do you want to do in the next five years and I was like I don't know everything Write another five minutes. Yeah, write a joke. <laughs> yeah. Was the so when I saw I saw you in um, uh, what's it called uh, Montreal? Oh, the varieties, variety, cool. uh, variety. Oh, something? yes, 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 yes. So it was like a showcase. Yes, yeah, a showcase. Yeah. You were I think ten people or something. Yeah, that sounds right. And someone said to me that that variety show was like, oh, oh those are the ten people that are gonna be like huge. That's like yeah. I mean, it's like a industry predicting whatever that that whole buzz cycle was that a thing you 
uh, wanted? Was that a thing that you had in your head like that? Maybe that'll happen someday. Or I want. I mean, I, I think stuff like that was like not even. I mean, it's something you you sort of are like, whoa, that would be really cool. But in the same in the same vein, it feels unattainable in that sense where you're like, that's really cool, but I don't know if I deserve it or would get it. And then when you do, you're kind of like, oh, I'm pretty much still the same person. <laughs> like, it's nice that I, I got this and it's it's affirming, but like, it doesn't really change how I feel about myself. Shit it? I don't know. I've, I've been... I've been like struggling with this lately of like how much to depend on external validation versus internal because stand up is such a you know nightly like judgment of of your skills and I like I it took me a long time to separate my skills from my like worth as a person so I mm. think it's just like keeping in mind that those are not the same thing like if I do something in comedy that's really great but even if like everything falls apart and I you know, end up quitting or something like that doesn't make me a worthless person. Mm. Yeah. Are you, because that's the thing, like, f- like, take reviews. I don't know how big reviews are in America. I it's... think they're not as big, because I know that UK culture is so so much yeah. more review-based, and I, I'm, like, so in admiration of that, because I think I still have so much trouble even thinking about reading a review. So it's tough. But that's what they say. They say, oh, well, if you focus on the good reviews, you have to also focus on... Like, you can't just take the good ones. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and no, then say the, wrong, the bad ones are wrong. You know, you kind of have to right. take either or. Uh, it's either, you know, read all of them and take all of them in or just... Don't read any But it's very hard to read a good review and go, oh, this doesn't matter. I know, I know. Uh. It's really hard to... Yeah. But I do feel like my brain is set up so that even if I read five good reviews, if I read one bad one, that's all I'll think about. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. How do you, how's your relationship with confidence? Has that been like self-esteem, self-worth? I think that might might be my biggest challenge because I feel like if anything, stand-up wise, like it just, it feels like it took me a lot longer to like have that confidence in my abilities. Like it was like a lot more gradual, I think. For whatever reason, I don't know if it was like anxiety sort of made it harder or, but it did feel like, like in the past few years, something has switched that I'm not like always going into every set being like, you're, you're like out of your league, like you're not gonna do well here. Like, and I don't know what's like, why it switched, but maybe it's just like enough experience and or something age. How does it so that's so if you didn't have comedy, like if you didn't have a job, if you were just being you as a person, Mm -hmm. like what would your confidence be be like if you if comedy wasn't even a a thing you could consider, Mm -hmm. like just you and your yeah personality and and your personality, like your traits and your heart and your all of these things. Yeah, I mean it's hard it's hard to say because I think comedy does take up so much of my life right now and it is one of those jobs where it it's tied a lot more to like your I don't know if it's like emotions or just like it's harder to just separate it as like work versus Mm. downtime or something it sort of feels like it sort of filters into everything so 
it's hard to know what would be left if you like removed it all. But but at the same time, I feel like human beings are more adaptable than I think we think we are. So it's like if it if I did have to like quit tomorrow, I think, you know, there would probably be a rough transition period. But then I'd probably like find something else that would be somewhat gratifying. I think I I until I found comedy, I was really having trouble figuring out what it was. So it might take me a while to figure out what the next thing would be. But I, I I would like to think there there would be something else. Are you a, are you a workaholic? I I don't think I am, but I don't know if that can sometimes be a sign you are one. Because my parents both definitely are, and they're both like perfectionists. I think, and and I'm definitely a perfectionist. So if anything, I feel like I'm lazy and don't work hard enough compared to other people. But then people are like, "But you're always working." So. I'm, I don't know who's right in this situation. <laughs> so you've always been a perfectionist. Yeah. It's like it's like that thing of like nothing is good enough, but I think the worst thing about being a perfectionist is you just end up creating less out of fear of failure, which is like a really silly reason to not just create something. So when do you when are you most creative? I think um I think working with friends, I think I've recently gotten better about like sitting down and writing more regularly. And I found that once I did it enough, then I don't have that immediate like judgment as soon as I start writing anything. So I think it is like, I, I hate to admit it, but it is like a, if you make a practice out of it, it becomes easier. <laughs> so if you were like, so do you ever go, because I, I work all the time as well mm -hmm. and I because that means that then everything is happening all the time right you very rarely get to sit down and like look at your life and go I know whoa <laughs> totally. do you have that way yeah, sometimes yeah. just like look at your life from like the outside and go what is happening I know because I think you're it's so easy to just focus on the next thing in front of you or like whatever things you're juggling and then yeah it's like if you don't occasionally zoom out and sort of look at all of it I think it's very easy to be like oh I'm not doing enough I should be doing this and this instead of this or like this person's doing this like it's very easy to get caught up in the details and forget the like bigger picture yeah yeah and do you, do you feel I feel lucky you yeah know? yeah Cause it's just being like getting flown to other countries and it's you know if you were like I guess that leads perfectly into so I have like the I ask the same question at the end to everyone, mm -hmm. which is um, so you're in the delivery room where you you are born, and you get to hold yourself as a teeny tiny baby, <laughs> and you're all crying and screaming because it's terrifying. <laughs> yeah. You're just born. There's lights and sounds, and you've had none of you suddenly breathing for the first time. Everything's terrifying, oh and you know that this little baby, like you know that's going to happen a lot. Like there's going to be a lot of crying and screaming because there's going to be so much in life that's terrifying. Yeah. You know what's going to happen from now on to the point where you're at now for this little baby. But you're now in the position where you can say something to the baby that could maybe calm it down, make it feel a bit better. Yeah. Or just prepare it for what's about to happen. You can't change anything. <laughs> right. You can maybe say something about the next many years of its life. Right. What will you say oh to little baby? Oh, my goodness. Whew. That's it. That's quite a thought experiment. I have to... Let me think for a minute. 
I think I would just say um, uh, just be. This is really all you can do at the end of the day. I think you can just be whatever it is you are, wherever you're at. Like that might sometimes be messy and not the greatest representation of yourself. And other times it might be great and something you want to remember for a long time. But really beyond that, you can't control much else. Is that something you still need to be told? I think so. I think it's very easy to get caught up in periods of your life where you think that's the new reality or it's always going to be a certain way. And and to just sort of be able to be like, no, that's how it is right now, but it could be very different soon is just a good thing to keep in the back of your head. But I feel like it's easy to forget. Yeah. That's a perfect answer. <laughs> Uh, thank you so much. Is there anything you want to plug? Anything people should go? Oh, um, I mean, if they want, if people want to find me on the internet, it's very easy. My website is just aparnacomedy dot com. Perfect. Yeah. Cool. And buy your album and all those things. Oh, yeah, and, it's yeah, all. I think it's all in there. All yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for having me, Sophie. What a lovely conversation. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, I love doing this podcast, you know that, because I keep saying it, but I, I really, really do. It uh, takes a lot of time. This is the bit where I'm about to ask you for money, and I know it's all cringy, especially if you're British, you don't like, you don't like us to talk about money, but it means you, you donating money, be it a one-off donation or being, uh, if you're a patron, you know, giving like a regular donation, means that I can, I can spend an entire night or entire or an entire day on this podcast and get like book the right guests and, and set up the proper recordings and the interviews and you know sometimes I have to go through you know, rearrange stuff and tweet people and even try and look up people that you may not know and uh, that I might not you know just get some interesting people on that you want to hear from and then I have to do the recording and I have to get home and I have to to the whole editing process takes forever and sometimes I have to not do that if I can get a gig that pays my rent. So for you to support me financially means that I can put all my heart and soul into this podcast. And that means everything. And I'm so happy that you like listening to it. Otherwise, you wouldn't be listening now. The people who don't give a shit about me, they've turned this podcast off now. So this is just us. We're the, we're, <laughs> we're the cool people who still... I don't. Or maybe you're driving and you can't switch it or something and you you're physically uncomfortable right now because you have to keep listening which is also i respect that 100 so please uh please please consider going to patreon.com forward slash mopod m-o-h-p-o-d and you can just choose you can just be like oh i want to give uh five ten dollars per episode and then at the end of the month patreon is like all right i'll take that from your card and that's it and you can put like a maximum on, so I don't release like a thousand episodes and run away to Cuba. But, um, sounds lovely, doesn't it? But if you give more than $5 per episode, you become like a friend of the podcast, meaning that I personally butcher your name at the end of each episode. And that is what I shall do now. Thank you to my main supporters, my the, the loves of my life, my, my ch children? No. Uh, a massive, huge uh, thank you to... Kathy Draxelbauer, Robert Knowles, Eve Winkrith, Victoria Greer, Marnie Biles, Olivia Hove, Zoe Cumberland, Joe C., Jane Young, Robin Clap, no, Kappa, 
Robin Kappa, James Frew, Helen Galliard, Karen Thrathaway, Russell Hughes, Ida Sigur Larsen, Lucy Inger Ellingson, Imogen Wearsan, Maddie Searle, Justine Hughes, Andrea Papillon, Caleb Melchoir, Main Next Guest, very clever sack, very clever sack, Jessica Stolfire, Meg, Emma Chan, Sylvia Novak, Georgia Brown, Kathy B. Rich, Emma Walton, Andy Walker, Geraldo, Ashton Cronin, Claire, Danny Beckett, Fiona Richardson, Rachel, Grace Suther, Kat Piller, Harold Van Dyke, Immy, Eleanor, Sarah Ferreira, Ike Seth, Cherie Dunphy, Daniel Reifershade. Thank you to all of you for donating and supporting the podcast. I will speak to you next week. I want to thank you. A big thank you to Bailey Leonard for my jingle, to Linda Brinkhouse for my logo, and to the Phoenix Artist Club and Peter Dunbar for letting me record episodes there. Speak to you next week. Bye.